if you would, please go with me to Psalms chapter 73. Psalm chapter 73. I love this passage of Scripture. I have, uh, I have several Psalms that are my favorite. If you've ever heard, any of you ever heard Harold Clayton, Clayton preach before? Anybody know that name? Harold Clayton? He'll get up and when he's preaching from the book of Psalms, he'll go through his ten favorite Psalms. And he'll go nice and slowly through them and he'll tell you why they're his favorite. Psalm chapter 73 has become one of my top five. My all-time favorite is Psalm chapter 107. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Psalm chapter 73 is a psalm written by the musician Asaph. He was a man that, that was tasked with leading worship in the coronation of the temple and in daily worship in the temple as well. And we have this account here in Psalm 73 of Asaph coming to a roadblock in his faith where he begins to question something about God. And if we are all honest with ourselves, we have gotten to that point at some time in our life. You might, you might be there right now. You may get there eventually. But Asaph here really questions whether or not God is real and God is good. Now before we get on this uh, pointing fingers train and look at Asaph and say, how dare you, let's examine our hearts. As Christians, we walk by faith, not by sight. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. And in our minds, we understand that the faith that we must possess every day is something that is available, something that we do live by from time to time. But truth, if we're truthful with ourselves right now, there are times where we question, God, what are you doing? Why do I have to wait? Why did this not go my way? Why did that happen? Why is this going on? And you look, and I don't have to spell it out, I don't think. You look throughout the political scheme of our country. You look around in, in your state. You look around and maybe in your family. You, you look around in your job, in your business. You look in the relationships that you have, and there are realities to this question. God, what are you doing? I can't make sense of this. I can't wrap my mind around why it's going down this way. And Asaph here, he's a leader of worship. He's a man that people look to to encourage their spirits when they come together for this corporate worship in God's house. And here we have an account of him saying, truly God is good to Israel. He says in verse 1, even to such as are of a clean heart, but as for me, my feet we're almost gone. Asaph goes from this verse to the chapter and gives a testimony of a time where he battled doubt, where he battled this, this uncertainty of what God was really doing in Israel. And whether or not God was who he says he was and was going to do what he said he was going to do. We know the story of the children of Israel, right? It's here, and then it's here, and then it's here for a long time, then it's kind of like a little spike, and then it's like the stock market, right? It's up and down, and then it's up a little bit, and then down a little bit more. It's, it's, it was fluctuating. These were God's people, His chosen people. And yet time after time after time, 
They would ride the high of, of a judge coming and rescuing them from a captivity of whether it be the Ammonites or the Amalekites, and then they would turn to their pagan gods. Up and down and up and down. And Asaph, he knew that trend. He understood that trend. And here, something has happened that has triggered this question in his mind. Something has happened, and he says, God, my feet are about to slip. I'm questioning your goodness. And by the way, can I say this? That can be a good thing. That can be a good moment in our life. So often, I guess in my life, I get, I get comfy with just the, the, the surrounding understanding of, yeah, I know God's good, God's good, God's good, but is, that's really not tested until something happens in my life that calls to question the essence of his faithfulness. Not my faithfulness in him, but I, I begin to question his faithfulness to me. And that can be a good thing because it turns my mind, my heart, my focus to his word. Which, by the way, is where my faith began. My faith is not based on an understanding that somebody gave me. My faith is not based on the godly heritage that my grandparents have instilled in our family. My faith is not based on the fact that, that I am in the ministry. My faith is not based in, the, in whatever. My faith is based in God's word. So when something comes along in our life that causes us to turn to his word to find the answers, that can be a good thing. And so let's not point fingers at Asaph here for going through this time in his life. I remember the first time I read this, I thought, come on, man. Truly, God is good. You know that. And then I go to the end of the verse and, and, and at the end of the chapter, and he talks a little bit more about it. You know this. Why are you struggling with it? And God convicted me like, wait a minute. You've been there, and this is not a bad thing. He says, my feet were almost gone. He got to this point in his life where he questioned the reality of God's goodness. Let's go through this chapter and just talk about what Asaph experienced, and his approach to dealing with this issue, and then what God did. Verse number one, truly God is good to Israel. And we, being God's people, God is good to us. Is he not? Would you say amen? God is good to us, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment, their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than their heart could wish for. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, they speak loftily, they set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Do you know what Asaph is, is observing here? Asaph is watching a wicked people get away with stuff. He's looking at them and he's saying, God, how can you allow this to happen? How can this be going on and nothing is being done about it? Look at the, the description he says, they were foolish. They were prosperous. Not only were they just foolish people, but they were prospering in their wickedness. It seemed in the society that Asaph was observing that not only were these wicked people getting away with stuff, but they were prosperous. 
prospering. Their wickedness was growing. Verse 4, there's no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. Uh, They are not in trouble like other men. They can get away with it. God, how come they can get away with it and I can't? Asaph, remember, he's questioning this, this faithfulness of God. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than heart could wish. They're prosperous. They have all the possessions that, God, that that I want. They've got everything going for them. Why? You ever wondered that? You ever look at what's going on around you, maybe in maybe in your job, maybe maybe in in our country, uh, on a global scale, and you wonder, why is this happening? Why is this being allowed to go on? Because if I did this, I know I wouldn't be able to get away with it. How are these people getting away with it? So Asaph is really in a quandary here. He's gotten to this 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 intersection of his faith and the reality of the wickedness of this world. And he's questioning, God, I know you're good, but why why are your people in this constant up and down scenario of blessing and and, and trial and tribulation and judgment and and all of these other people are doing far worse and it's like they're prospering. Why is that? Keep going, verse number 10. He observes something else. He observes the wicked. Now he observes not only the wicked, but his people, the children of Israel, then are also, because of the influence of this, they are participating in it. He observes, verse 10, therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. He observes the wicked. He sees what's going on. But then he sees a group of people, a group of God's people, the Bible says his people, a group of God's people who then begins to identify themselves with the path of the wicked. They have veered because they see the prosperity of what an ungodly society is involving themselves in. And so not only do we have the wicked that's prospering, but now we have in a church an ungodly, unbiblical approach that people are saying in verse number number 11, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Look, God, they're not not getting judged, so why can't we do this? And, And there's an influx of worldly influence amongst God's people. Again, I don't think I have to spell this out. The church today is under attack. God's church is under attack. By what? By a watered-down version of the gospel. It's called the prosperity gospel. Come as you are, leave as you were. Come to Jesus. Experience Jesus. And by the way, He does accept us, amen? He does accept us in His grace, but there is a prosperity gospel that's being preached void of repentance. Void of true Scripture. Void of the gospel. And really, it's a slap in the face to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a slap in the face to His sacrifice on the cross. 
if that type of a gospel was possible, then why would Jesus have to send, why would God have to send Jesus to die the, the horrible death that he did and expel every ounce of his blood for you and me if it could be so, uh, so approachable in your own terms, in my own terms? There's one way. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what's happening in our world today is Satan is taking about a 5% lie and mixing it with the 90-95% truth. And these churches are packed with people that are dying and going to hell because they do not have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Asaph steps back and he says, I'm seeing it. The world is beginning to infiltrate God's people. You know, people look at, at a church that takes a stand for what's right, and they say, oh, you're legalist. You ever heard that before? People, the, the world looks at a church that takes a stand on the King James Bible and say, oh, why don't, you, why don't you be more accepting? God is love, why aren't you? It's just such a misunderstanding of God's love. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it's amazing because I know some people that are really hard to love. <laughs> I'm sure you do too, and I know I am. Ask my wife. Um, we all can be hard to love, but God's love is what makes that possible. And so there is love. God is love. God is acceptance. God is grace. But what's happening is in our churches, there is an infiltration of worldly influence, and all of that is being watered down. Instead of allowing God's word to lift us up to God's plane, men are trying to bring God down to our level. And all these, these trendy, uh, trendy sayings and trendy churches, and it's, it's not good. It's not good. Now, I'll be honest, we could come to an independent fundamental Baptist church, sit in the pews, listen to preaching, and be going to the exact same hell that, that, that people that are going to these prosperity churches are as well. It's not about what church you go to. I hope you understand that. I hope you're okay with walking the street with Methodists one day, the streets of gold, because that's going to happen. It's not all Baptists that are going to heaven. It's the, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that gets us there. But Asaph is observing there's an infiltration of worldly influence in the church. And I'm thankful to be at a church where that's guarded against. Aren't you? Pastor Lytel has been used by God to protect this church. And God has sheltered this church, but it's very easy to lose. Definitely something worth fighting for. And Asaph observes this. And then he says in verse number 13, if they can do this and God's people are turning, then verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. I can't get away with anything, <laughs> pretty much. I try that. I'm, I'm plagued. I try this, I'm chastised. I try, I try that, God, I can't get away with a single thing, so it must be in vain. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He's gotten to this, this personal conflict where he does not know why. He's questioning why. God, I know you're good, but why is this? I love 16 and 17. When I thought to know this, 
It was too painful for me. Can you read the next few, the next few words with me? Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Keep going. Then understood I their end. You know what happened? This is the exciting part. You know what happened that turned his perspective? He went to church. He walked into church. And just by going and approaching, worshiping God, he said, okay, now I get it. It wasn't like the whole thing was spelled out for him, but there was something about centering his focus on the worship of God and coming collectively into God's house that kind of calmed his fear, that secured his, his, his question. He no longer doubted. I looked at the evil. I looked at God's people. I looked at, the, at all of these things that are happening, and I saw them all getting away with it, and I did not understand why until I went to church. Then understood I their end. Verse 18, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Here's the, here's the correction, right? The, the correction that Asaph experienced. He's questioning God. But he went to church, and he understood the end of their ways. They were in slippery places. Slippery places, destruction. Look at, the, look at the, the, the terminology that is used to describe the wicked's future. Slippery places, destruction, desolation, consumed with terrors. All of these things are a sure end to the wickedness that is in this world. You look around you and you see it. You go throughout the day and you hear it, you watch it, know this, there is coming a day where that will definitively end. And by the way, it's not going to be pretty. And it's not going to end in 2024, by the way. It's not going to. It's not going to end in 2022. You see, so often we attach our hope of solving the world's problems with, oh, if I just got a new boss, then everything would be fine. Right? If I just went to a new church, we wouldn't have these problems. <laughs> if I just, hold on now, if I just had married someone else, this wouldn't have happened. If I just... And we could fill all of this in our lives. If such and such hadn't happened, if this person wasn't in leadership, if that, 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 if that, and we go through this, this really what we're doing is we're, we're imposing stress upon ourselves by saying, if none of this had happened, then that would have solved everything. But that is not the end. Because as long as Satan has reign in this world, there will be wickedness. 
there will be foolishness. And he's not going after the world necessarily. He's got them. He's going after God's people. Why? You and I can't lose our salvation. Aren't you thankful for that? But he can limit our influence. He can come after me, and he can get me to, to make this decision to go this way, to, to do this. And what it does is it limits my potential for drawing others to Christ through my testimony. He's coming after us. So our solve all is not, is not associated with some happenstance that happens in our life or in our country. That's not it. There is coming a day when all of that's going to end. The Trump's going to sound. We won't really know what's going on in here. The Trump's going to sound, and we're out of here. And during the next seven years, there's going to be a time of tribulation. Following that tribulation, we usher in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Can't you know? I can't wait for that. That's going to be incredible. I don't even know what it's going to be like. The Bible tells us a little bit, but the Bible says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. It's going to be glorious. We're all going to be walking the streets of gold in our glorified bodies, not a care in the world, worshiping Christ. But there's coming an end. That end for these people is not a good one. It's definite. It's final. And Asaph says here in verse number 21, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. I believe this happened for two reasons. Number one, because he realized, I questioned God. And that grieves me, because I know God. And I don't want to doubt him. I don't want to question his goodness. But I think it also grieved him, number two, because he saw the destruction and the desolation that was coming. And as a, as a minister of God's work, it burdened him. It saddened him. He knew it was coming. He felt like he couldn't do anything about it. You know, I, I, I do get frustrated at times, and I'm sure you do as well. Because I, know, I think I know what's right. I think I know what's best, right? But I do get frustrated when I see clear wickedness prospering. But I cannot allow that to cause me to question God's goodness. Because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. But what I do need allow, I do need to allow it to do something in me. I need to see that. And it's got to grieve me to the point to where I realize my testimony as a Christian really does mean something in this world. I was thinking about this last night. We had our kids out in the water. Uh, we got a pontoon, went out into, um, I think we were right by Sanibel Island. We went out there and watching the sunset. And um, we hooked the music up to the Bluetooth and uh, just playing a bunch of songs and all singing. I've got a playlist on my phone that we're singing through a bunch of songs. And they were coming back and they were goofing off goofing off just listening to some, some Disney princess songs. I don't even know what they are. But as we were going, I was thinking, you know, we're about to pass a couple boats. And my testimony means something. Our testimony means something. They wouldn't know a difference if we just kept going through playing these silly songs. But they would see a difference if we started pumping a song about the cross, a song about the blood, and we blared one. 
pretty sure did you, we look, I looked around. There were no boats near us, but I don't care. We, we were playing that we playing that song so loud. It, you know what? It was because our testimony matters. Our stand for Christ matters. The wickedness that we experience in our country and our world today needs someone to stand for what's right. And that someone is God's church. That someone is those who, like Asaph, recognize that the answer is found in God's, God's house. The answer is found in God's word. And, and in verse number 23, nevertheless, I am continually with thee. My testimony matters. My relationship with you, God, it matters. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth. And that's exactly where we all can be at times. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. Read this with me aloud, please. Begin. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. It's good for me to draw to God. You know why? Because when I draw nigh to Him, He draws nigh to me. Oh, I want peace. I want contentment. I want joy. I want to understand the presence of God. You know what? It's good for you to draw nigh to God. These questions in your life, these times of doubt, these, these, these eras or these ages of, of, of uncertainty when wickedness seems to prosper, they can be good if it causes us to draw nigh to God. Because when we do, look at the end of verse 20, 28, when we do, our trust is founded in the Lord God. I don't put my trust in Washington, D.C., I don't put put my trust in a a governor. I don't put my trust in my boss. I don't put my trust in my own accomplishments or my own potential. My trust is in the Lord God. Who, by the way, made heaven and earth? Who, by the way, possesses all the power? You can't go out and look at a sunset and tell me that there is not a God. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. My trust is in the Lord God. And after that, here's what flows out of it. That I may declare all thy works. This is quite a journey that Asaph went through here. He started the chapter off, I almost slipped. I came to a point where I truly questioned the goodness of this book. But I ended up realizing there's nothing better for me and to place my trust fully and firmly in the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful we can do that? Because I don't know about you, but there, there just seems to be fewer and fewer things that I can trust these days. But you can trust in God. He never fails. Let's declare His works. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for the time that we can spend in it. Thank you for the clear testimony of Asaph and how it relates to us. I pray that you would help us today, Lord, this week as we go about and we, 
we observe the wickedness of this world. We observe what happens around us. God, I pray that we would focus our minds on the faith that we have in Jesus and in you and you alone. God, may we place our reliance. And Lord, we may not understand what's happening around us, but we can trust that you do, that your hand is in it, that you're guiding, that you are working it for a purpose. And Lord, I pray that throughout all of it, we declare your works to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.